Hey guys, welcome to Starving Artist Phoenix. I'm Tony Machete. Uh, I'm gonna try a little something new out this time around. Uh, you know, I got some listener feedback that I might want to add some intros and outros to the interview, you know, so it's not just us jumping right into the thing and kind of piecing it together as we go along, which I kind of fought at first just because, you know, I, uh, I like the idea of that a lot. Just, you know, limit my own talking as much as possible and just kind of let the guest interview speak for itself. Um, but, you know, I can understand that can be a little jarring. And uh, I am nothing if not responsive to my fans, my people, mi raza, uh, is that how you say it? Uh, anyways, um, so yeah, I'll try it out a little bit. This week we have um, a doubleheader, actually, it's interesting. We have Matthew Foose and Chelsea Louise, both from the band's Fairy Bones. Um, if you haven't checked out Fairy Bones, they are a lot of fun. They're awesome. They're super unique sound. Um, they have music all over the internet. Uh, you know, check out their YouTube channels. A ton of great videos there that they put together. Um, yeah, I actually uh, I don't know them at all personally or anything. Um, I, I have kind of a connection to them through through a friend of of mine from high school who. Uh, would always um, post their music and post stuff about them, so I decided to check them out and really dug their sound and decided I really want to talk to them. So uh, that's how that happened. <laughs> but uh, it was it was really good, uh, fun conversation. Uh, you know, they uh, aren't shy with dropping the f bombs. So if that's a problem with uh, with the listeners, then here's your warning now. But uh, hey, we're all uh, we're all rock and roll here, right? Jesus. <laughs> this is why I never do the interviews. Uh, but hey, um, check it out. Uh, let me know what you think. Let me know what you think about the uh, intros and outros as well. Uh, you know, get me back on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Gmail. It's uh, starvingartistphx at Gmail. Or uh, SAPHX Podcast on Twitter. Uh, just let me know what you think. Uh, if you like it. If you don't like it, just leave an anonymous note on my doorstep. That's really the only way I'll accept criticism. Um, but uh, you guys enjoy the show. Uh, enjoy Matthew Foose and Chelsea Louise from Fairy Books. Today we got Jesse Louise and Matt, Matt Foose, right? Yeah. Matthew Foose, excuse me. Matt Foose is fine. Matt you're, thir- you're 31. I can go by Matthew now, properly. <laughs> yeah, it's more properly. distinguished. It is. Um, so, yeah, I was super interested in uh, like looking into you guys because I heard about you from a friend of mine that was in at least one of your videos I know about. Cat? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so she like posted the video and I listened to it and I really dug that song. Kind of went into the catalog a little bit more. Um, but when I started this, you were like definitely up on the list for who I wanted to talk to. Sweet. So, and I did see too in the previous interview that you didn't start off like in music per se. You started off in like musical theater type stuff. Yeah. So, how did that come about? Did you I just started have like a musical in... family, like musical theater stuff? Thank you. That's yeah, great. Um, I started out, yeah, well, my dad's a drummer. Oh, nice, okay. And my mom, um, was a, what do you call in with musical theater? She was like a... Musical theater groupie? She was like a groupie. No, she really was like a musical theater groupie. She was there when, uh... that, Leslie? Yeah. What's up, up, Leslie? No, no, she was like friends with, like, Tim, I mean, she was there when Tim Curry was doing Frankenfurter in oh the West God. End in London. That's she, yeah, she was like there, you know, and she like fucking loved musical theater. She like yeah. has met Stephen Sondheim. She told him to move by mistake. <laughs> She's got cool stories with musical theater. And so I started doing musical theater when I was 12. Um, and then I did it forever. For, I mean, for like 10 years. And were you born and raised here? Me? I was born in New Jersey. Jersey, okay. Moved here when I was like four. Okay. So, We're all East Coasters who yeah, moved, who moved to Arizona here. Really? in the early 90s. Because yeah. his brother's the bassist. Yeah, yeah, so he's a younger um, brother, right? Yeah. I mean, comparatively younger. But. He's 26, <laughs> yeah. he's 31, so pretty young. But, yeah, okay, so you guys all just individually ended up in Phoenix? Yeah. Was it just like works up with the family? Or? Yeah, mine was. My dad was going to ASU and my mom got a job for American Express. So right she went, we moved out here in 1990, like three months after my brother was born. That was when born. I was born. So. 
My brother had just been born and we moved out here, so. Yeah, my dad was a kitchen, a kitchen designer. He did like kitchens for like Mario Andretti, like the race car driver. He was like big, big wig kitchen designer. So that's why he moved out here. Is it like when they do like reality shows, it's like, oh, you're a race car driver, so we're gonna make your whole kitchen a race car. <laughs> I wish, that would be dope. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember, you know, cause I was so young, but I've seen some like the stuff that he's worked on. It's like, you know, like high scale, like there's a rock yeah. in your living room for no fucking reason. <laughs> kind of kitchen you I know that with like the more expensive your houses get and stuff you seem to put more outside shit inside, inside yeah <laughs> like, for sure make it look like the outside. it was like the rock was like half in half out and they put the glass over the rock so oh, it was crazy. like in a, it was really really weird. i remember a lot of money really. just by getting a tent just living, out <laughs> just living outside yeah. yeah uh okay cool so you started doing it when you were 12 years old is that just like community theater stuff is that through school um, it was community theater. It was Desert Stages Theater. It's in, oh, Desert Stages. Yeah. Right okay. Did it there forever. I love those people. I, like, grew up there, basically. You know, it was awesome. Did a lot of, um, shows. My first show was Bye Bye Birdie. It's like everyone's first show. I know! Like, it really is, though. It's everyone's first show. Somewhere right now at the production of Bye Bye Birdie. Yes, we're somebody on. first time doing musical <laughs> theater. Awesome. Okay, so when did you make the transition into just straight music? Um, well, my dad was like a rock drummer in the 60s in London as well. So my, both my parents are from, they're immigrants from England. Okay. And they moved to New Jersey and we moved to Arizona. But um, they, so he was like, he has opened for like Cream and like The Who. Oh, that's awesome. And like stuff like that. Right? Yeah. None of, no notable bands that you would know. He like did, and then he did some like producing in like the 70s, I think, with like disco uh -huh. music. And that's where he made like, there's a song called... Love Queen Boogie that they play in like Mexican <laughs> discos still I think it's like a That's gay so anthem sick. kind of thing um, but you can find some of his like disco stuff online it's pretty funny um, it's it's interesting uh, so he like I listen to a lot of you know like rock and roll music mm -hmm. and like um, the B-52s and the Beatles and all you know that kind of stuff B-52s are timeless I love the B-52s um, but yeah, I guess when I was, I know, right? Like rock lobster. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's alright. I a, don't have a licensing budget. Don't listen to this. Uh. <laughs> um, what? What was it? Oh yeah, I was. Uh, how old was I? Oh, you weren't there on my first band. I was like. Yeah, you were born losers in the hangers. Right? Yes, yes, I was born loser. In loser, the singular. It's okay. Singular. I was the born loser. Right. They Everyone were the hangers. Hanging on. on. Yeah, right. it was supposed to be funny. My dad came up with a name, and I thought it was hilarious. Everyone thought it was too long, yeah. but whatever. Um, so that was your first forage into music. Like yeah. You just, were you just like practicing at home from instrumental stuff? My girlfriend was a drummer too. Oh, interesting. Just okay. date a bunch of drummers, I guess. Like a but theme. yeah, that's yeah. My therapist would have a field day with that. But um, <laughs> that's the only that's the only similarity between them and my dad. I swear to God. But uh, she was a drummer, and so she she was like, and I kind of was singing musical theater, and so she was like, "Do you want to do a band?" And I was like, "Sure." Nice. So we just like recruited Robert, who's in this band. But yeah. He was in. He was the basis for that man, right? Yes. Okay. And uh, just got him to do it. And got him involved. And, um, you know, went from there. We weren't taking it very seriously. I'm good right now. We um, weren't taking it very seriously. Uh, Jenny, who was in another band called Sister Lip in this scene, they mm -hmm. were a great band, like more jazzy blues. But they, um, she wrote most of the songs for Born Loser. Okay. And so I, that was like more of her, like I sang them, but she gotcha. wrote them. So that was my first, my first thing. So was it always singing for you? I play guitar now, not mm -hmm. very well, um, not at all very well. But yeah, you singing. Do what you I, do well. I like perform. Like I think performing is a better word for like what I like to do. Like I love singing, and I'll sing in my car, and I'll you know I yeah. like singing musicals and everything like that. Um, but I love performing. Like yeah. I would still sing in my house, but I don't think I'd do it unless there was like a performing aspect to it. It's sure. kind of like my favorite band is Gogo Bardello. Do you guys know Gogo Bardello? At all? For okay. sure. Yeah. Well, like the front man of that band too. He he always has an acoustic guitar and he's always playing it. But you get the idea. It's like you'd have no idea what even you're fucking doing. It's no, like, it's just like going at it. Yeah. So yeah, I think it just kind of adds to overall. Yeah, know, I play aesthetic. rhythm guitar. You know, for sure. <laughs> in air quotes. Uh, that's okay. Right on. So you mostly sang. Oh, I seemed like I had a natural talent for that you were just working with. I didn't have a natural talent for that. Really? Like, for real. Like, people say I'm a good singer now. I would never believe them. Like, I'm an okay <laughs> singer. I've met great singers, you know what I mean? So, um, there's always stuff to learn, but I wasn't a good singer. I wasn't. I, like, had to, uh, like, go through... I've been through, like, a lot of training, and, like, I did musical theater, Shit. where, like, they just tell you you're terrible. Throw you in the deep end. Yeah, and, and Matt was Matt has a similar background. He was in Drumline, where they tell you oh, yeah. oh, my God. that you're it's terrible. Intense. So 
that's so, where we come from. So why did you make that decision? Like, why get on the drum line? Uh, I'd always done, like, when I was in third grade, I joined band. Okay. And I had always been beating on stuff with pot, with wooden spoons and all that stuff. So yeah. my mom got me drum sticks. But it was in third grade. I had a part that I had to play on snare drum, but it was written for brake drum. And I didn't know what a brake drum was, like a car's brake drum, like the yeah. metal ones. Uh, and for the concert, the teacher brought one from a junkyard with a hammer. And he was like, usually you play this part on the snare, just play it on this instead, hit it with a hammer. And I remember, like, <laughs> hitting it. Okay. Like, it screwed yeah. the whole band up. And, oh, like, because, like, no one was prepared for it. I'm just, like, hitting this thing with a hammer. And I knew right then and there that I was like, this is... You just want to hit shit? I just want to hit shit as hard <laughs> as I can. Uh, but I did a program in middle school that, like, the middle schoolers would go to the high school and they do, like, a concert oh, right. okay. with the high school kids. And before the kids would play, they'd have all the high school things. Like, they'd have jazz bands for yeah. one of the shows. And then one of the shows, it was the drum line and the percussion ensemble and I just never seen that many drummers all at once playing and I was just like that's I mean I to be do. fair he's a fantastic guitarist as well like he oh, yeah. yeah he can play everything yeah. did that come later or were no you that playing? actually I took guitar playing more seriously than drums for a long time like I, he's a really really good guitar I started player. playing at 13 like that was when I was like I want to write songs and I want to like write music but um when I found him on Craigslist, he came wanting to play guitar, and I was like, I need a drummer, I don't need a guitarist. Oh, that's just, so that's kind of where the demand was. And yeah. Kind of yeah. Uh, You've been trying yeah. to be in bands for a while. Yeah, I'd been trying, but I never found drummers that, like, did it the way I would want it done. I mean, you ha so, if you don't have a good drummer, you're not a good band. Yeah, that's fair. And I've kind of, like, I fought with it in the beginning of Fairy Bones, but after a while, it was like... I did fight it, yeah. I started <laughs> seeing all these other bands where I'm like, wow, you got a great guitar player, but your drummer sucks. Or, and, you know what I mean? And I just realized that, like... I'm behind one of the best singers in the valley, so I'm all like, I should be the best drummer I can be for her, and it's gonna, and not only that, but it's like when I finally started like really doing that for the band, it had such a different outcome than all the times I tried to like be the guitar player and the singer and all that kind of stuff, and I was like, all right, this is the universe. We also write, him and I write a lot of the songs, so he like doesn't not play guitar, you know? Right, I mean, I feel like you have to have like a working musical knowledge of every part of the, the band to right, make yeah. it work, so yeah, it makes sense. But I get where you're coming from. My brother has been drumming for a long time, and he was always like had a line of fans like waiting for him. Oh yeah, because so many people want to be drummers, but it's yeah. It's not and like a same. good bass, the rhythm section rhythm, is the hardest sure. to find for yeah. sure. And brothers, that's like perfect. Yeah, that's like awesome. born with the rhythm. You know, it's good. But born super interesting because born I feel like rhythm. I mean I've I've worked in a professional setting with like people close to me before. It doesn't always end up all right. So, I mean, have right. you and Ben always been, like, in sync and stuff like that? I think it's... Well, I think, I think it's... So. <laughs> no. Yes and no. 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 But I, think I mean, we, yes now, but you've grown up, you know? We've been a band for four years. Yeah. But also, this, I mean, we always fight. We're always going to fight. We're brothers. Sure. We know each other. But at the same time, it's like, we because we come from the same, like, musical upbringing... Yeah. We don't... We don't really tend to disagree a lot on... We'll disagree on, like, should it be four times or should we do it three times? You know what yeah. I mean? But it's never, like, that groove isn't right. It's, it's more like, personal. Yeah. Like, they'll, they'll personally disagree on some yeah. like, but, um, heavy shit. For the most part, it's just... Yeah, it's like, I know, like, I can tell when I'm, like, you're pulling that from, you know... That's a similar bass line to something from Band of Gypsies, or that's a Zappa kind of run, or there's your Primus coming in, or all that kind of stuff. So it's like, I know what he's doing, so I'm just like... So do you guys have the same, like musical inspiration no. I guess no he's a funk he's a funk so jazz bass player <laughs> yeah, yeah Les Claypool's like his idol really that's like yeah. Zappa a he lot. likes he's obsessed with Primus and I'm obsessed with Radiohead so that's pretty much oh okay that's like, a friend that's a clash that explains but, yeah. yeah that's cool we all have very differing music tastes though yeah like very differing but then we also we all we yeah. like all like I love we all love Radiohead but yeah. like nobody likes Radiohead like Matt likes Radiohead well, we I don't think anyone in the world likes Radiohead as much as yes. Matt likes Radiohead but we also love like when we're on tour we'll listen to like Disney musical playlists a lot like we love Disney, Disney songs Disney music love. for sure that transcends taste yes That's for sure I mean like we love pop music we listen we to all so love, much like, like Lady Gaga Bruno Mars like, Bruno Mars so I mean it sounds like you just have an appreciation for good music yeah like, exactly good technique we don't like, want, if, like, like there's never been like one thing where we're like this is this is what we have. To I don't. Do. Well, you guys don't like the Pixies, like Robert and I love the Pixies. Oh, Which is like Rob, Robert <laughs> and I fucking love the Pixies, and I love Nirvana, and uh, they, I don't think they. Oh, ben and Matt, they don't like. They don't get the Pixies though. No, I get the Pixies. I just like. You know, well, and, when you've been listening to like Bootsy Collins and Funkadelic, Ben's so, obviously not going to sit there and go, "Yeah, you know, Caribou." <laughs> so. The band that you listen to that I don't get is. Um, that that like blue I mean that like southern blues band Black Rose Black Rose I don't oh, get I don't really? get that at all 
They were like, but I'm a Dave Matthews fan fan, and I'm fine to admit that. So really, yes, I really like Dave Matthews fan. I've seen them live like five times, so it's like a fun concert. You can always get weed, so it's fine. (laughs) That's fair. Okay, gotcha. So you have a pretty eclectic case with everybody. So I mean, is was that a factor with Born Loser as well? Like. Is that something that, was it kind of creative differences that led to you wanting to find a different project? Or, <laughs> I guess that's, yeah. Uh, what broke that up was I broke up, we broke up, my girlfriend and I broke oh, up. Oh, that sucks. Um, yeah. that, and, then, and then we tried another drummer and we got on for a little bit, but then he was, he had some bait, he got somebody, or he got my friend pregnant. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, they're like great and they have, they're like awesome and they have a, couple kids now which is fine but like he moved his priorities exactly and so we were like whatever like if we're just keep going through drummers just start another band the name sucks anyways (laughs) so just like whatever you know so all right so uh was robert on like on board from the beginning was he always somebody else gonna be coming with you on robert's my best friend robert robert um i've known him i guess for like seven or eight years now so we became really good friends in born losers hangers on so yeah when we when we moved on he was moving on with me, like, obviously. Okay. Me and uh, Jenny, we had, like, a falling out. We're fine now, but we had a falling out at the time. And the other guys, Benny, who was the guitarist, he was a metal guitarist, so he sh- never really should have been in that band. Fantastic <laughs> guitarist. But he needed to be in a metal band. So so he just needed to go do that, and then the bassist didn't really want to do music. So it was just... Gotcha. There seems to be no shortage of metal music around this area. This is a good scene for metal. I'm curious, where do you, where do you guys feel like that comes from? The metal scene? Yeah, it's even in my hometown, like I live I'm from south of Tucson. And like okay. every every local band that started it was like one punk band for every like five or six like I know. type of thing. I don't yeah. know. I've thought about that act I've actually thought about why there's this like abundance of metal music and I don't know why. I think it's just a culture. That's like a subculture that like that has I, I think people wanna scream. That they wanna thrash, they wanna head Like it's a shit it's a shitty like world we live in, you know? They wanna mosh. And, yeah, uh, they want to mosh, and it's and I don't want to say like it's easy music to play, but it's because the scene's already there, it's easy to get into. That's fair. Okay. So it's like either you're gonna start something brand new and have to like slice your way through bullshit, mm-hmm. or you're just gonna fit right into a metal scene. And it's gonna be pretty easy. Yeah. But you guys did that though. What? You guys sliced out your own path. So. Yeah, because we're fucking dumb. <laughs> That's why. I mean, is there? We'll jump right into that. Then I mean, would you go back and like change any kind of? Step in the path and get I wouldn't here, do. Or? I wouldn't do the Ducat music video. <laughs> oh. Yeah, our first music video. Probably I wouldn't do that, do that music video. Um, That's for know. sure. Because like when we I'd first still, started, yeah. we made that. Like I remember, like one of our first rehearsals, just making. We weren't like uh-huh. talking about it, but it was kind of an unspoken thing that we weren't gonna go for one thing. We were just gonna see. Nobody said like, "What do you want to play? What yeah. kind of music do you want to play?" Yeah. I would have been like, like, "You need to leave." It was like <laughs> we're doing these things. Let's try this. Let's try that. So. If you say what kind of music you're gonna are we gonna play, and then you're like, I want to sound like Fleetwood Mac, or I want to sound like Mumford and Sons, like you're gonna fucking end up sounding exactly like Mumford and Sons or Fleetwood Mac. Or you just make a cover band. Yeah, like, right. Just it. do that. Like I just don't get it. Like just try whatever happens, and whatever happens happens. It'd be new at least. Got it. All right. Good. You guys have always had a kind of experimental mindset. That definitely mm. comes through in the videos. And it seems like you guys have been making videos, like, since you've been together. I love videos, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, is that... That seems like something that a band normally kind of, like, puts off. It seems like a big thing for people to take on. It seems kind of daunting. So, how did you guys just jump right into it? Was everybody on board with that right away? Or? We know a lot of photographers. Oh, like, perfect. I, we've always had kind of, like, photographers around. Um... We're like dyna- we're pretty like dynamic and like on stage. Like we love doing live shows. And we're like in your face and having fun. So yeah. I think it, we're f- fun to photograph. Um, and we just make friends with them. Like they're some of our best friends are photographers. Ray, Frank, you know, Eddie. J- Jim, who? Eddie. Eddie, yeah. So they were just like around and Eddie, who did our first music video ever, the one where we like look like we kill a guy. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be the thing, but it looks like we kill someone. Um, was just like, do you want to do a music video? And we are like, sure, you know, fine, let's do it. Of course we do. <laughs> um, and then from then on, I was like, just like fucking loved music videos. Yeah. So I just found a way to do one all the time. And I always have like visual ideas for my songs when I do them. Um, and then if I don't, I don't do a music video for it. Like I wouldn't force some idea out, sort of like we did for Ducat. You know, like that's the 
when were we kill someone? So that seems like the one that was brought to you instead of the Yeah, exactly. Created, so yeah. yeah. So like the latest one, Cubs, I filmed on this phone, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I was going to say, I really like that video. But Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, that, was, that was really, really fun. I had like the, we had the idea, we had a bunch of versions of the idea, but then we were just like, we got there and I was like, okay, I just have my iPhone. Like, we're just going to have to make it simple. So it's just yeah. got to be like party games and kids doing keg stands. And all the parents were like, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I just tried my best. And like a lot of it is literally this, like my iPhone on a, um, stabilizer. a stabilizer. Oh, okay. Like we had like, wait, bought like, a, I just like, I gave him my credit card and I was like, go buy stuff. Like go to Fry's Electronics and just buy me a lens and buy me a stabilizer. Just everything we need. Cause I don't know what to do right now. So, so that worked out. It worked out. I really <laughs> like, I like that music video too. Cheapest music video, I think. Yeah, one of our cheapest, yeah. For sure. The one we have coming up is not going to be cheap, that's for sure. It's still going to be the most expensive, though. No. What was the most expensive? I think it was the Banshee one. Just because that was the first one we like. Well, no, probably um, notes. Because we had, like, catered for, like, 20 people, and we had, like, a body painter. I don't know. The one with the notes from Wonderland? Do you see oh, that yeah. one? Oh, yeah, notes from Wonderland, yeah. That seems like it took some production value to it get was two, It was the only one where it took two days to do the video. And it was freezing. Freezing in that warehouse. And all of them were basically naked. <laughs> and we had like 20 extras. It was a dumb idea. Turned out good, but dumb idea. Well, I mean, it seems like you had very specific ideas of what you wanted in that. So it seems that you probably sure. had to invest a little more time and energy into just getting the right content for everybody. Yeah, the body painter, sure the body painter who did everyone's like body painting, Brandon McGill, he had a lot to do with how that turned out too. Like he had a lot of ideas for that. So right on. the credit goes to him as well. Yeah. And since you brought up like the tours are in the planning stages of another one, what's that development process look like for a band who's on a budget? You know. Um, well, it looks like it uh, looks about like three hours of existential dread as we try to figure out how we're going to afford to pay for <laughs> the it. The other day, I I literally said to our manager, I was like, I, like we came up with the music video finally, and this yeah. has been like some it's for Eight Ball, which is like means a lot to me. That song like means a lot to me. And so I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't I don't have that vision that I have. Like, when we did Waiting, I woke up and I was like, I know what we're doing for Waiting. I have the perfect idea. But, like, for this, I came up with a billion different ideas. We even had, like, a round table about it. And no, nothing really was good. We were also then, planning to do it backwards at one point. We had already worked out an entire oh, dance geez. routine. Like, we had yeah. practiced a dance routine for, like, And then I was like, weeks. this is too OK and Go. And then we're like, we're not doing it. And I still am like, man. Oh, man, but it looked like OK Go. And I was like, we can't be OK it's Go. It's too viral video. Yeah, it's too viral video. And it doesn't make sense. And so... I took, or I ate a pot brownie, went to Kings of Leon, and on the way back, which was not good, by the way. Kings of Leon is boring as fuck. Um, <laughs> on the way, they were boring as fuck. <laughs> on the way back, I came up, I was like, I have an idea for the music video. And it obviously involved being in the middle of the desert in dune buggies. <laughs> I was like, okay. So we have to, we still are trying to find some dune buggies. So if you hear this, <laughs> we need dune buggies. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so right, I told my manager, I was like, I was like, fuck, like, I feel it. I feel like the stress of the music video coming on. Cause I basically do everything for it. Cause yeah. it like has to be the way I want it. That's just how it is. And, um, it's going to turn out right if I have my hands on everything. That's just how I feel until like, until I meet like the director of, you know, a, the other really great music videos. Like I can't like let it go. I have a control problem, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's just basically like, okay, you have to give yourself enough time. You have to make sure you have the videographer, because different videographers are better for different things. Like, yeah. this time we're working with Jeremy Tremp, who did our Banshee music video. Okay. He's really good at, like, clean shots and, like, swooping shots and kind of jank, like, it looks janky, but still, like, really, really high-end. So that's going to be cool. Kind of like, he does a lot of metal, you know, where they're all like, huh, and it's, like, shaky, and it's kind of cool. Yeah. So we're going to use him. <clears throat> so that should be cool. But you just have to, like, you have to go, okay, what's $1,000 split four ways? That's not too yeah. bad. You know what I mean? Like, if you can't afford that, there's something wrong. That's fair. Okay. You need to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> and before we jump into what else I want to talk about, even though I being, feel like too much of a fanboy, which is not super professional, but that is actually my favorite song that I've heard of yours is 8-Ball. Oh, thank so you. That's the one where I realized, like, go, buddy, go. They sound exactly like go, buddy, go. Oh, that's but, cool. Yeah, like, I don't know. And nothing else sounds like that, so. <laughs> no, no, it's totally different from everything yeah. else you guys did, but I, I really dig it. Um, okay, so, <laughs> basically. Could that, I that, cigarette? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, you brought up another thing I was going to ask you about, too, is just um, finding the right people to go along with it. I mean, obviously, you guys found your drummer and your bassist through Craigslist, essentially. So, did you go through people before you met Matt and Ben? Or? Yes. They had a guy that 
they always tell me the story. They, yeah. He was a drummer. He wasn't bad, but like he sliced his hand open while auditioning for him. And it was bleeding. And just continued to play and like spray blood all over the place. Yeah. It's pretty metal. It was pretty <laughs> cool, but also like I don't know you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It'd be cool if like I knew them and or I thought they were like they were in a really cool band or something. I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. But that freaked me out. Uh, yeah, we auditioned a bunch of drummers. Um, so how do you know? How do you know it's a good fit? I know you guys kind of talked about it. How do I know? Uh, I knew, a story for this. I knew it was liar. a good fit the day it happened. We rolled up. Uh, ben was It was a different band at that time. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Nice Girls. Because um, Ben wasn't in it yet. But uh, I walked in, <laughs> and we started playing. And in five minutes, like, there was a sunroom. We probably in the sunroom in the back of this house that had no AC. And it was horrible. It was, I love it. it. I miss those days so much. <laughs> um, nice so, room, but though. This random stranger, like, he had to walk up, go in the carport, into the house, like came into the room and he's like, I don't mean Sorry, to alarm you, <laughs> but I just want to tell you guys, like, you guys sound great. So it was pretty powerful having literally Jan for five minutes, the first time we've ever met that just some random, can one? Some, <laughs> Sorry. Everyone's up. Some random stranger just walks in to tell us how good it is. And also at the time, it's like, I'd played in enough bands to know that like, I had never met anyone like them. And I'd never like, just that first night, I was like, this is strangely different. And then we got fucking drunk. Oh, we got shitty. So that was like drunk. the last time I got yeah. We don't drink legitimate anymore. Right? <laughs> shit drunk because of that. So I made up this game called what did I call it? The Hangover Game. The Hangover Games, like the Hunger Games, and I had like created this game where like you can't like the floor is lava and you can't touch the floor. And you have there's like all these different stations. Um, it was a fun game, but you got really really drunk. It's kind of like the True American. Yeah. It's exactly like True it's American. Exactly true. Yeah. You guys thought of it first though. No, I stole it from them. But I like added real. I added like real, so you could actually play it. Cause yeah. I looked it up and I was like, True America's not a real game. No How could it not be a real yet. game? This was like right when it aired, so like nobody had the rules. I don't know if it's a real game now, but um, at the time I was like, I'm just gonna make my own version of it, and so I did, and it was really really fun. <laughs> we didn't finish it. We got too drunk. No. Yeah, that type of thing seems impossible to actually complete. Yeah. In real life. Okay, cool. So it was mostly just instinct. Like, you guys just felt a click kind of going to it. Yeah, well... That he, and then... Well, I, well, when he came and drummed for us, and then that mini band broke up, Yeah. Um, he went and did his own band called All Things Considered because apparently he doesn't know that NPR exists. I don't know. <laughs> it was so funny when I heard he called it his band that. I was like, what an idiot. Um, and, then, uh, and then Robert and I auditioned a bunch of other drummers and every single time I was like, well, they're not as good as Matt. Well, they're not. And I didn't know Matt really well. And I was yeah. like, not as good as Matt, not as good as Matt. So I was like, why don't I just go get fucking Matt then? So I just <laughs> went down to his party where he was playing his first gig with his band. And I was like, hey, you should be in Fairy Bones. Yeah, she, she walked in, sat the entire time, like not on her phone the whole time, but would like occasionally peer up and like pay attention to what was going on. Second it was done, we were all out back and it was just like, Fairy Bones had been a band for like 10 years at that point. Like so much so that like my friend that was the drummer at the time like came up to me and he's like, are we still a band? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah we're still a band. No. Like, so, but then it was like, we played our first show at Long Longs and I remember like we finished our first song and there was that like two second pause where like the audience didn't know if the song was done or not. But then once they realized it was like they went nuts. There was like 15 people in there, but it was like the reaction was like, really jarring from every other reaction I've ever had in any other band and I was, it was just kind of like right after that like my brother and I were like yeah this is a smarter deal to do this than what we're doing so so is it always going to be like a package deal with you and him to coming in together <clears throat> no I just yeah. think at the time like because he's five years younger than me so he's, it, our, he's my age he's it wasn't until my brother turned like 21 that he and I really started to like hang out makes sense um, and the band right before Fairy Bones that we were in was the first time that we had really tried to like make a band go for a while. Like we had played with other people before, but that was the first time where we were like, we've got a gig kind of shit. Uh, and it was just once we played that show with Fairy Bones that we kind of just realized that we're like, this is a smarter decision for us to be doing. And then I made everyone move in together. So, so yeah, and then we I all locked it in. Wow, so you guys are just always around each other all the time. Yeah. We all live together still, yeah. That's intense. So, all right, does that same kind of vibe, does that same kind of like, I guess, like, you know, say quad that you're looking for, and people go over to the other stuff too, like your manager, the producer, Bob, that you found. Yeah. yeah. Bob is like, Bob's like my best friend. I love Bob. He's great. And nobody else does anything like him in the Valley, you know? It's like really unique. And then Sam, our manager, is like, he's just really, really business minded, where I can sometimes not be that way. He's like good at numbers and good at money, and I hate those things. He's also good at hustling. <laughs> so. He's like a fucking hustler. And he loves us. 
So it's like, if your manager is not somebody who fucking adores you, what's the point of a manager? You know That's what fair. I mean? That's so, job. Yeah. yeah, he's not like this big management guy, but like he knows what he's doing and he gets shit done. And I mean, he loves us. He's all in on helping you guys. Exactly. And that's what a manager needs to do, no yeah. matter what they have. I mean, um, <coughs> Chef Gordon. Do you know who Chef Gordon is? Vaguely. He's Yeah, he's like the famous manager of Alice Cooper. Yeah. And, um, like, I just took a lot of inspiration from him, like, who he was to, like, these bands. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, you need a manager like that. You need a manager who will, like, punch people for you, who's going to be there for mm-hmm. you. Not some, like, guy who doesn't, who's across the state. We've had a manager like that, you know, a guy who was across the United States who, like, we never saw and, like, was vaguely invested in us. It's like, I don't care about that. I don't need that, you know? We can build something from the ground up. So did you guys approach Sam, or did he, he approach you? I approached Sam. I had known him, I mean, I had known him for a while. I had lived with him at some point. Him and his girlfriend at some point. And um, he... And at some point, I was like, we just started talking again. I don't even remember how. But I was like, yeah, you should be our manager. And he was like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I was like, no, really, like, think on it. Because I think this is, like, the perfect idea. And then once we, like, decided on it, like, Sam and I talk every day. And we're always talking about, oh, it's just, we're obsessed with it. And, like, we feel good. We feel good about this year in particular. But, um, yeah, like, he's excited about it. And it gives us both, like, something, somebody else to talk about it incessantly with you know so and was it the same thing with Bob like were you guys just trying to find the best producer for yourself or were you trying to find like the first producer no we weren't we had other ones lined up for the same day we were going to go to Bob's and similar places we went to Bob's and then cancelled the other appointments that's how much we liked Bob wow well it sold us too that he told us the Neve console the board that he uses was Uh used by the Pixies I I like that he said it was used by the Pixies their ears perked up and we were were like like, okay this is good (laughs) that's awesome okay Good. So it seems like you guys have, I I guess, a confidence in yourselves and your abilities and stuff that you deserve the best. You deserve what you want. I mean, do you feel like... Everyone does. Yeah. Well, that's not necessarily true. I feel like a lot of people are just starting off. They they have a little bit more insecurity, you know, they they might just take the first deal that comes across. So, I mean, how do you feel like you, like, feed into that? How do you feel like you tap into that confidence? Does that just come naturally to all you guys? I don't think it's... Yeah. I don't think it's confidence. I think it's... uh, reckless abandon for a little bit it's also intuition as well yeah like i'm like i don't like i don't like the sound of that like i don't yeah knowing what we like what we don't like but also just like we've had some record deal like some record ideals like come our way but like none of them were perfect you know none of them and we went on tour with highly suspects in october of 2016 and we heard a little bit a little bit of how they had been approached by a lot of labels and just passed over them because it wasn't the perfect fit until they found their label 300, which is perfect for them. And, um, you know, we just, we're waiting for something that's perfect for us. You know, even if it takes longer, you don't want it to be shitty. I want to talk about touring too since you brought it up because so you guys have toured in some pretty awesome bands too. I suspect the Dolly Rots. I love Mm -hmm. the Dolly Rots. Um, How do you, how do you even kind of find the right fit for you as far as that goes? Do you guys have to search pretty far for you know what you're willing to book i mean how far are we guys willing to go as far as the tour goes in the beginning we would book anything that came our way just to play right you know we play every more than once every oh, week God, our first year we played 150 shows yeah a lot of shows like we there were there were multiple weekends in a row where we were playing two shows on Friday nights. At some point, we played a show and had to go to a different show. Yeah. I was going to say, I read an article at one point, somebody was disappointed because you stopped playing like three shows a week or something yeah. like that. Yeah. We yeah. can't do that. You know, we have to like sell tickets. Like, yeah. You know, it's a thing. You have to like space out your show so you can get a draw. And also, it's tiring. That's a tiring way to live. I can imagine. I have job. I have a jo- You know, we have jobs. We're not like <laughs> huge rock stars or anything. So it's like you have to live your own life as well. So at what point do you learn to get picky? Um, but you're, when you start getting good gigs, I think. Yeah, when you you're start, like, oh. When people start offering you shows. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, should I play this house show to nobody? And then this show and this show, and there's going to be 15 people there. Or should we play just this one show, and we know there's going to be 200? get everyone there. Yeah. Sell a bunch of merch, sell a bunch, get a bunch of ticket sales. I mean, it's like, no one's lying. It's a lot of fun to make money doing it. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, it's better when you're making money, because then you can make other stuff, like music videos and stuff. But, um... Yeah, I mean, once we started getting, like, better gigs, we started to space them out, like, slowly. And now we're playing, like, maybe one a month. Yeah. Maybe, if it's good. Like, we're playing uh, Mother Mother coming up. That should be good. I love Mother Mother. We played with them a year ago. Like, today, pretty ago. much. Oh, was it two years ago? 
Oh, Mother Mother's dope, though. Yeah, and so, I mean, how do you get on an opening show with somebody passing through? Um, you impress somebody else, and that yeah. person thinks about you, and then they ask you to do Booking it. Booking agents? So. Yeah. Well, the we Mother Mother show was Beef Vegan. Yeah, who's so, great. Um, He's a radio DJ. Okay. Who used to be who used to be in a radio station here, 93 KWSS? N- not 93, 93.9. Yeah. That's Mo, 93.3. Uh, 93.9. Yeah. Um, and then he moved to Tucson. Now he's in like a bigger radio KFMA station. KFMA. Yeah. Um, so we're good friends with him, and uh, we've done a lot with him on air. So he he brought the like the radio station sponsoring it. So he thought of us. Nice. Okay. That's kind of how it works. Just it's like connections. Yeah. And I mean, once you get on these like kind of local shows as tours pass through, do they you just kind of naturally like, oh, you guys should come with us to the next date, that type of thing? Or? Highly suspects. They asked us. That, yeah, they asked us, and I cried. That's the first. That's the first time that's ever happened. Where like that, a large like, big, band was like, you should come out with us. And then yeah. it was like kind of a medium panic because we had. Five, they wanted us to go in a week, right? Yeah, we had five days to figure it out. Sure. They, and they we, have a big tour bus, and we yeah. have a van. So they. We played with them on a Thursday. They asked us that night. They asked us if we'd be in interested. In the morning. That night. Then the following morning, we got the email being like, do you want to come out for these They didn't really ask over? us if we were interested. Literally what happened <laughs> was outside, I met their manager, Spike, who I didn't know at the time that was their manager, their tour manager. Um, and I was just outside smoking, like loading out, smoking a cigarette with them. I didn't know how big they were. Like, I liked them and their music, but I didn't know they were that big. Um, they were like nominated for a Grammy three years in a row. Like pretty big, and I was like, um, he was like, you guys are really local, and I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, it's too bad you can't go on tour with us. And I said, and I quote, and I quote, I said, uh, just ask us, and I will drop everything and be there. And he was like, really? And I was like, really? And then the next morning they asked us if we could go. And so it's like generally just like saying yeah. what you want out loud gets you things. You know what I mean? That's and I cried when they asked. Like, yeah, of course. Like. I'll be there. You guys should be him screaming out of her bedroom in the morning, just like. Ah! And then <laughs> yeah, our, my so brother great. actually Kicking got in the doors. my brother yeah. actually got fired from his job. Yeah, for going. Go. I was gonna ask about that too. So I mean, that's that's a big thing to do. It's like, yeah, you can definitely say I'll drop everything, but what you kind have of sacrifices to. are you willing to make? Have you guys all kind of lost jobs, day jobs, or kind of cut into it? Or? Ben I, Ben lost his job. Ben, well, he lost his job at he works yeah. at Chompy's, the deli. So he lost his job at that Chompies. He just moved to another Chompies. Yeah, they like, hired him back when he got back. He's, he's been there for like eight years, and yeah. they like love him there. So, so low stakes. But yeah, yeah, like one. Well, we didn't know he was gonna get hired back, but it was just lucky for him. The other managers just heard and were like, "You're, they're an idiot. Come work for us here." So the other, I mean, the other jobs they have, they're not like huge money making jobs. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we, they make enough. They make enough to get by and to pay for stuff. For, they pay for stuff for us to eat and stuff like that. But I mean, they're jobs that we can quit and go. You know, like that's we live our lives on the assumption that we have to leave at any moment do you are you guys pretty upfront about that with your employers that, oh yeah like, they all know side? no 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 you yeah. lie with them you lie to them <laughs> well, I, I don't lie depend, yeah chelsea has different right. jobs She's, i have different morals too so. no i mean like yeah. the kind of jobs you have are the kind of jobs that you would want you you respect i work at work home for, for some like, of them if one of us had to get a job at mcdonald's and not like we're gonna go in there and be like we're gonna be here yeah just, the mic yeah. Too, just so. leave yeah. like it's we're fine. gonna walk in and be like yeah i'll be here all the time until and then that day and then I go can. to wendy's like it's gonna yeah. be fine just get a job you know what i mean and just leave it when you need to it's not a big deal if That's, you're gonna be a musician you need to like put music make, first yeah you have to make that choice yeah excellent okay got you so all right so you guys are touring you guys are like getting bigger gigs and stuff at what point do like the festivals come around because i know you played rainbow festival yeah um, uh we played uh mcdowell mountain music festival yeah played rainbow um, fest a couple of years we did pride one year we didn't do pride oh what did we do oh no i'm thinking zombie walk zombie walk that was called alien ant farm <laughs> um, that was pretty funny it's the same thing with the other thing you do yeah. A good enough job and people are going to ask you. To, they remember you. They'll, they'll want you to come. Is Connections. The, is the vibe very different than just playing at like a club show? Um, yeah, yeah, it is. It's much, it's weird playing during the day a lot of the time. It's like super strange, especially in Arizona. Thing. We're not a big enough band yet where like more often than not, unless it's us headlining a show putting on, we're playing to an audience that doesn't know. Does, no, it's not that in the afternoon. We're playing to an audience that doesn't know who we are. So I've heard a lot of bands talk about playing festivals is hard because yeah. you're not playing to your crowd. Well, to us, we're we still care, building no. a crowd, so it doesn't matter whether you know us or not. Like, we're going to just... We're trying to win so. everyone over all the time, yeah. so it's fine. But yeah, the day the daytime thing is a little weird, and sometimes switching between bands can be 
hectic. <laughs> yeah, like we had we had a run in with another like a bigger band that I don't want to like say who they are, but um, they their guy like freaked out. It wasn't our fault, but like he was taking forever setting up their shit, and we had to go on. And he like lost his mind. Like he was like testing pedals and stuff. And we had the festival promoter go over and be like, "You have to get off the stage." And just screamed at this guy, like freaked out. And it was like really, really fucking weird. Jesus. But so like, I guess it could be high, like high stress. <laughs> we were fine. You guys weren't stressed. Yeah, we were fine. I, it's, like it's also things like that that I help as we get bigger as a band to like make sure crap like that doesn't happen. You know, I mean, like yeah. things things happen. You can't control everything, but like. Making sure that your crew isn't screaming at anyone. It's like if yes. we're 25 minutes over our time, yeah. we're 25 minutes over our time, and we should get the off stage. So we never do that shit. A lot of no. bands do that shit. Yeah, but also, I mean, like it gets harder as you have more and more gear. Like the band that was going on, they had three different keyboard stations, a drum rig with full electronics. Like there was a lot of stuff to set up. Whereas like yeah. us, it's a drum set, two guitar amps, and a bass amp, and that's it. And we're at the time, we had keywords. Yeah, at the time still, we, we were, we're, we like time ourselves, getting on and off. You want to be respectful. Right. Do you guys do like the montages in like Wayne's World too, where you just like practice like setting stuff up, picking up mics as they go, <laughs> that type of thing? We've we timed it to seven minutes. We have minutes. practiced it, yeah. Nice. So we can do we can set up in seven minutes. That's awesome. So that's if exciting. all my gear is set up and ready to go off stage, we can set up in seven minutes. You can tell when somebody's professional or not by how they load in. Yeah. I hate, I, the only thing I truly hate is watching bands that like just take their goddamn time getting off stage. It's like, you're yeah. done, you had your moment. Okay, princess, get like let's get off up. off stage, don't load your drums, don't put them in their cases, don't Yeah, putting your drums in the cases down. on stage just is fucking insane. throw that shit outside <laughs> and get it off stage. It is excruciating, and you can't really say anything because you don't want to get in a fight or anything, but. I'll just stand there with my arms crossed just looking at them, like. <laughs> Not mad, just disappointed. Seriously, guys? Yeah. Like, I'm just standing I'm here mad, flipping my sticks, just waiting for you to move. So, alright, I mean, going off of the idea of, like, Rainbow Fest and stuff, too, you guys seem to have, but at least appears to be, like, a pretty big following, like, the LGBT community. Yeah. Stuff. You guys have been in Echo Magazine a couple times and stuff. Is that something you guys set out to do, or did that just kind of naturally happen? Not really. Um, yeah, we're gay, so. <laughs> we're not all gay. We're all bisexual. Ben's not bisexual, but, um, maybe. I don't know. We're all like whatever. Yeah. We're, we're all, outing you, Ben. Yeah. We're all kind of whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, and I think. Um, I think just people pick up on that. Just kind yeah, of acceptance, though, open minded. For sure. And like, I know a lot of people in the gay community just because I'm kind of gay. So it was, <laughs> you know, it, I just knew those people. And I, yeah, I think they connect to like some of the shit that I say, too, just because it's about, you know, I grew up and I had to come out and like all this shit. So I know what it's like. And the videos, I mean, some of the, like notes from Wonderland, you, like you were talking about, you could almost connect that as kind of almost drag inspired in some of the stuff that they were doing. Yeah. So I feel like the aesthetic is there and stuff. So that's awesome. So have you guys just really, have you embraced that? Have you dived into that? At first, we yeah. didn't because we didn't want to be labeled a gay, a gay band. band. Because like, T say Tegan and Sarah is a prime example of being a gay band that can never get it off. Yeah. Like now they want to do pop music, but they're still a gay band. I love Tegan and Sarah. <laughs> And I don't like their pop music. I want them to be a gay band. You know what I mean? But we didn't. We're not a gay band, and I didn't want to be labeled as a gay band, so I sort of shied away from it to begin with. But now we're totally fine with it because we're like established enough that we're not a gay band. Just like Lady Gaga's not just for gay people. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? We Lady Gaga's just Lady. We will make the straightest record possible. <laughs> no, we won't do that. Yeah. Boys and girls love it. Holding hands until you're It was married. a joke, babe. Right. She's giving me that devil look right now. Well. Well. So, well, that's that's cool that, I mean, I guess you guys are just, it goes back to what you were talking about, just not being, wanting to get confined. I feel like most right. people don't really think about, like, those outskirts of society, those outsider groups still being, like, a box to fit into. That's yeah. That's an interesting thing. It is. Yeah. It is. I, I mean, there's plenty of, like, gay bands. There is. Yeah. Um, and, like, they'll accept you welcoming, welcomingly, and that's great. But it's just like, you know, I don't make music specifically for gay people, but I do try to not say she, he, yeah. her. I try not to, like, specify who I'm talking about because I want it to be open-ended for you. Because, like, I know when I hear, like, my favorite song, I think it's about me, and that's what it's about, and fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter <clears throat> what it was actually about. And I would like that to be 
applicable to the gay community as well. That's how you find the favorite, your favorite music, right? It's like anything else, you have to relate to it. Exactly, so yeah. That's that's interesting you guys make that active approach. I feel like not enough people think about it that way. Yeah. About putting your audience into those tunes. Yeah, there's, I mean, you can easily yeah. say like, and you did this instead of, and she did this, and then make it acceptable to a wide audience. It's fine. So I want to jump back to, as well, like different venues, different places to set up. So you mentioned before that uh, a couple places that stand out to you in town that you like to play at, specifically like the Rogue Bar, because you said it's one of your favorite things We do to love play. Rogue Bar. We, we don't play there, there anymore. Oh, well, we did some covers for the owner's birthday. Yeah. Of. We, we're really good friends with the owner of it, so that's why we like it there. What, what makes one place better than another, or different than another? Sound. Sound and the vibe. Onstage sound is a big one. Valley Bar has great onstage sound. Rogue Bar has good onstage sound. Rogue Bar does have Rebel, good on, Rebel Lounge has, has good onstage on sound. Yeah. Have um, you guys always had an ear like that? You can just pick up on the differences. Or? I, if you did it, you would know yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. It's you don't have to be like attuned to it or anything. It you just, just sounds because it's like it's it's a little weird at first because like I mean I've seen hundreds of concerts. So you know how that sounds, but it sounds different drastically on different on stage. You know it can what I mean? sound pretty bad because you like your vocals are really loud. You don't, yeah. yeah, you don't have all of the things mixed coming through at the same time. Yeah. It's like sometimes like I don't need to hear the guitar; I just need to hear the bass and the vocals. Or, I mean, the last show we just played at Crescent, like the wedge for me was on another side of a drum set that was for the next band, so I literally couldn't hear anything the whole time. I'm just like looking at them. I'm like, all right, this is where we are. <laughs> like, this is right. I can hear like some of it coming back from like Chelsea's monitors, but there's a lot of shows that we play where I can't hear. Yeah. It's like this is so when we play it's a show. It's good when you can hear yourself. Yeah, when you play a show, we're like, and a lot of the time for me, I don't know about them, but for me, a lot of the time it's because someone's drum sets in the way, or there's another band's gear all set up, and they're just they're set up for them, not for the opener. Uh, yeah. But when like you play a place and they've got a wedge right for you and it's all mixed nicely, and when it's a like, sound engineer gives a crap, yeah, things are better. It really makes a difference. In that. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot more fun. How, so. how do you guys pick up on that kind of more technical knowledge as you as you go? Do you, is that something you guys? You just learn it as you go along. Mm-hmm. Really, like you mess, you fuck up, and then you don't do that again. You learn to ask. <laughs> you learn to ask for it. You learn yeah. to go like, yeah, I can play. I don't need to hear them to play a show. Right. But it yeah. makes it a lot more enjoyable yes. and a lot better for me if I can. You can relax. So. Wait, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that. Um, like at first, I think I would not. I wouldn't ask for things to be up and down because I felt like I shouldn't be there. But now I'm like, well, if I'm here, I'm going to make it sound good. Right. So I'm more confident in saying, like, no, I need that up, no, I need that down. Let's, like, like a real sound check. I'm want. more confident about it. So. Nice. What, what about when it comes to gear? That's kind of what I was going to ask. I feel like as a lot of people who are just starting off, too, they don't necessarily know what's going to make them sound the best as far as what they're playing, that type of thing. Alright, in a nutshell, if yeah. you can't make crappy gear sound good, you don't deserve it. You shouldn't buy expensive gear. I don't know about that. Well, no. I don't necessarily this agree is, with that. It com- there's, it's the mindset of like... That's what Kirk Cobain said too, but I, and I love him, but I don't agree with that. Like, yeah, like, if you're an okay guitar player, you're probably going to sound better on a much nicer guitar. That's, that's for sure. That's set up properly and stays in tune and all that stuff. Right. But if you really legitimately want to be a... Right, a great a, guitarist. A great you can guitarist, play any guitar. A great guitarist or a musician, it's you that's making the sound through the instrument. It's not the instrument. Because it's like, I mean, um, who is it? Uh, Linda Perry. She's a producer. Um, yeah, okay. Who's worked with, like, Christina Aguilar and all that stuff. Okay. She, there's a, I saw some interview clip or whatever online, and she was talking about how she was working with this guitar player all day, trying to get these sounds of the guitar, and just, after, like, eight hours, just couldn't kind of get it, so they had called it a day. And, um... Who's the guitar player for Cheap Trick? Uh, mm. Not Gary. Uh, anyways, the guitar player for the guitar Cheap player Trick. for Cheap Trick comes in to meet her, walks into the walks into the live room, picks up that guitar, doesn't change a thing, just starts playing, and all of a sudden it's coming out of speakers, and Linda Perry goes like running in, and she's like, "How the hell did you make it get that sound?" And blah blah blah. And he's like, I, "I didn't do anything." And it's like, it speaks volumes about the fact that it's like it's your touch. So it's like, yeah, having expensive gear can be a good thing, like. I played a ratty drum set for the first two right. and a half, but three years of the band. But now that I've got a better drum set and I played on a crappy one for a long time, I know how to make a better one, a good one, sound good. I think I think something that should be said here as well is that the difference between a crappy guitar, a mid-level guitar, and an expensive guitar is also different. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was playing a crappy guitar and it sounded like crap. Now I'm playing, like, it's not an expensive guitar, but it's a couple hundred dollars more and it sounds infinitely better. So it's like... 
you don't have to spend a thousand dollars on a guitar okay. but you also might want to spend more than 80 bucks <laughs> which is what i did you know what i mean like maybe if sure. you're like i don't know if i want to play guitar sure get so, a 50 dollar guitar general thesis is like you can you can tell the difference when you play it when you hear it oh yeah you but can it's not feel necessarily the, the most important thing at first no yeah Good i don't think away. so because yeah i mean I, like, I was in a band in high school, I was in a punk band, and I had the cheapest bass that I could find. Well, punk bands but, are different. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't really matter for that, but, you know, if, if I plugged into the amp that I have at home, it sounded incredibly different than that nice amp that my oh, friend Oh, yeah, had, amps are a big, so, yeah. and you can amps, fuck with pedals. Yeah. Amps, and... I would say, you know, I would say those are probably, you're going to want to spend more money That's on, put an on an amp. Yeah. If you're gonna spend, like, I've had the same Vox amp since I was, like, 15. I'm using so, that now. What? I'm using that one. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, it's a, oh, money it's for an a amp. beast. It, and, like, it's one of those amps where, like, I've thought about selling it before, but I'm like, they don't make them anymore. And, like, Dude, literally. keep waiting. It's going to be worth so much money. Literally everybody, like, just comes up and they're like, oh, I love your amp. I love your, I love the amp. The amp is so good. The amp is so good. It's like. They don't say that when I play through people, it. Because <laughs> well, you're never around when, like, I'm loading it out. Oh, okay. Them, and they're always, like. That's all Always Good. Yeah, that, that's. Like, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Well, since you're talking about money too, I mean, you guys talked about like using funds from your day job and stuff, obviously, to commit to it, just breaking it down, making it work. But how do you, how do you find donors for for pitching in? You know, I'm sure you guys have done fundraising stuff. We've done one fundraiser. Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, aside from our parents, it worked, but it was terrible. Like, uh, we've never really, we don't really. Well, we had like over over a hundred people donate to our. Yeah. Was it terrible that you just hated asking yeah, for it? Yeah, I hated asking yeah. for it. I don't want to ask for money. You know, it sucks. I don't think anyone wants to do that. It's fair. Unless you're crazy. It's one thing if it's, like, somebody close to us or, like... Yeah, yeah, like, your parents. Like, or family or something like yeah. that. It's yeah. like, you know what I mean? It's like, my mother looks at my brother and I and go, you know, what else am I going to do with this money? It's like, I'll invest in you guys. Yeah. And if it and goes somewhere, you're going to, you know, pay, pay me back. back yeah, like you're going to so. buy me a house. My mom always keeps saying, buy her house. That's what I got Trying. <laughs> um... But yeah, I think, I mean, we've had, like, currently we're talking to an investor, which, um, but an investor is a lot like a record label, like, they're right. going to expect some kind of return. So it's like, you can go for the investor route, so say, like, I front you $1,000 to make a record, I would like 25% of the sales of that record, um, and also you're going to pay me back. Right, you can at least make your money back. That yeah, so they're going to make their money back, so it's like, if you, it's a risky route, you know what I mean? Like, we've had friends and bands on record labels that... Uh, you know, they're $250,000 in the hole. So, and they never make it back. Um, so, like, a lot of the times the record label will just wipe that. Like, you'll be, they'll be like, fuck it, forget it. Yeah. But sometimes they won't. Sometimes you do owe them $250,000. So it's, you know, that's why record labels are, you be, sca- be scared of them. I can't even, like, wrap my head around that number. I know, uh, it's a big it's number. Ridiculous. Oh, yeah, I think we'd be, if, I think it'd be, we would be wary uh-huh. of anyone offering or, even attempting to put that much money behind us at this moment because it's just like I wouldn't be wary of it <laughs> well, I mean, I'd I mean, love it but I'd, I'd definitely look at that contract yeah unless someone had like a surefire plan of like this is how we're going to use that you know, those are bigger record labels yeah. that's just a bigger record label number you know but, yeah. you're usually looking at a couple thousand dollars which is not the end of the world but yeah. if the thing is if you can't raise a couple thousand dollars you're, you're not ready to exactly you it. should yeah, yeah. You should be able to raise a couple thousand dollars. That's a couple of gigs, a couple, uh, some merch. Like, you should be able to raise a couple yeah, thousand Yeah, that's like dollars. three months of, like, good shows. Yeah, like, come on. <laughs> I'm not expecting you to come up with $250,000. That's yeah, different. That's crazy. You know? But, all right, well, talking about being ready to, one last thing I'm curious about, how, how did you guys know when you were ready to record a full EP? I don't think we've ever we truly thought we've been re- ready to record. We were three record. months yeah. into being a band when we recorded yeah. our first EP. And all of our, like... We just had songs. The songs songs were good. Yeah, I was like, these songs are fucking good. We just wanted. I wanted to record something. So you know, I don't think that's a big deal. Like, if you, it's your money. You can do whatever you want with it. If you want to fucking waste it and don't know what you're doing with it, then do that. But I, I knew what I was doing. I had been in a band before, and I knew how to release stuff. So I did it, and it went pretty well. But if you don't know what you're doing, I wouldn't invest a couple thousand dollars in something. You know what I mean? (laughs) I would think about it, or I would hire somebody to do it for you. Now, you do, do. Were you guys, I guess, relying kind of heavily on the on the producer when you went into that? Like, I mean, were you guys? You said you knew what you were doing. What do you know what you're doing? Just as far as you felt good about the songs, or like you knew how you wanted the sound to come out. I I knew what I was going to do to market it, and I knew how I was going to release it, and I knew uh, how to get it into the hands of 
um, journalists and stuff like that. Nice, okay. Um, just because I had been in a band before and I knew those people. So I was ready to do it, whereas if I hadn't had those connections, we wouldn't have done that that quickly. I wouldn't have pushed us to do it. Gotcha. But yeah. I also think we also, at the time, we knew what, how we wanted to play them. Yeah, yeah. Like, we still don't... We've been playing them a lot. We haven't had enough time, because, like, we don't get, you know, the longest we've ever been in a studio for one two stretch weeks. is two weeks. So it's like, we've not had enough time in the studio to, like, truly know how to, like, use a studio as an instrument. So okay. we're still very much a band that, like... Yeah, we rely on our producer. We, we rely on the producer to know how to, like, take what we're doing and make it sound good. And uh, he, yeah, and know our sound and say, this guitar is going to be better, you know? Yeah. Like, he has ideas that we like. Yeah. And we have ideas... And I fight him on ideas all the time. Like, I don't just... Yeah. I'm not just like, yeah, whatever you want, you know? Like, I know what I want even if I don't know exactly how to get it. And he knows how to say... Take what I'm saying, which is just garble garbage that I'm saying, you know? And he, like, translates to something that makes sense. So that's why we like Bob. Uh, I also think, though, like, 8-Ball, like you said, like, that's... Yeah. I think the first song in our career thus far that's, like, as close to who we naturally are. And that was... There's nothing changed about that song. Yeah. From, when I, from when I wrote it... Uh-huh. Uh, that's the first song I wrote where I, like, wrote it on guitar and it had all the words and nothing changed since then. Yeah. It and just it's like stayed we all that just, way. We all added our parts. We demoed it at home. And the demo at home is exactly the same thing same it is thing on the record. Recording. It's just... Yeah. It's just better. Yeah. Even better the point recording. of, like... <laughs> Forcing Bob to make sure the tambourine was in the second verse and not in the <laughs> not in the chorus, but it's in the bridge and it's in yeah. the last chorus and all that kind of crap. But yeah, everything else when we go in, we like sometimes Bob's like this chorus shouldn't be this way, yeah. and then we like hear him out, you know. I th- and I think with like our newer stuff, like we have a newer like we're gearing up to make another record, and we know kind of how we want to do it this time. Like we've done it enough now with Bob that we know like alright if we go in and do what we do we're going to get this kind of result but if we want to get this kind of a result we're probably going to have to do things like this so I think the next time we go in it's going to be probably a little more nerve wracking like it was the first couple of times because it's going to be us legitimately trying to try a new thing that we haven't done yet with right. him, So looking forward to it well there's a couple things that I like to ask at the end of every episode um, so you guys can answer them individually if you want to whatever you can hype mind it um, but first off uh, I mean what are some other artists in the area that doesn't doesn't have to be musicians can it just be anybody that you just would want to give a shout out to that we should be kind of looking out for Catherine Cron <laughs> Vicky Banaschek that's Vicky's last name Banaschek such a bad name Vicky I'm sorry it's Polish I know it's Polish that's um, the problem Bear Ghost Bear Ghost love Bear Ghost Playboy Man Baby Playboy Man Baby um, I like this band. Oh fuck, I forgot their name. It's something like something with a doll in it. Or... Dollskin? No, yeah, Dollskin's dope. Dollskin like the Toadies song? I don't know. They're no. bands. Okay. Um, do do KUPD, ninety three three Mo. All those people are good. Go Brandon check them McGill's out. Brandon McGill's a great artist. Brandon McGill's I mean, a great the artist. Pho- photographers. Jim Hesterman, Rachel Smith. Uh. Yeah, there's some good artists in this valley. I'm trying to think of like. I think that's a pretty good list. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's weird yeah, it's... to think about it now because it's, I think it's been like the last year and a half that like the whole scene that we were hanging out with kind of shifted. Yeah, it did. And it was like, Francis- there was, Francisco Cordova. There was a, there was a hot minute where there was like two and a half years where it was like we were hanging out and seeing the same bands and the same people for yeah, like. Yeah, it's kind of shifted. Two and a half years. And then it kind of like everyone kind of petered out yeah we're all doing our own we're thing now here. we're all still friends but we don't see each other as often as we do yeah. all that kind of stuff so we moved to Tempe too yeah we used to be in downtown Phoenix oh okay gotcha that'll happen alright so the other thing I mean just in general anything you guys want to plug Facebook's Twitter's whatever you can just around. google fairy bones google fairy google bones and you find us anywhere um, it's the best play of that <laughs> things I want to plug uh, the new Radiohead okay oh computer issue the new Queens of the Stone Age coming out um, he cares more about other bands than our own I band. care more about our band well to be fair Radiohead really needs the plug on this little yeah, podcast I mean, yeah like, they yeah. really do I don't, I don't yeah. think they're, they're getting the kind of exposure they were hoping for this year I mean, we're com- we're making Poor a new music. Poor life choice management. Poor life choice management. We're uh, making a new music video and hey, a new Ball. record. If you have a dune buggy, hit me up. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And they can find you guys through Google, Google on Facebook. through Google. Yeah. Google yeah. any Google Fairy Bones, and you will find us. Excellent. All right. Last thing I like to ask again, you guys can do this individually if you want. Just if someone were to say today that they wanted to start a band in Phoenix, do what you guys do. What's one piece of advice you want to get on? Oh. Obsess about it. Don't be afraid to be obsessive. While your friends are partying, 
while everyone's doing all that stuff, you stay home and practice. Because it might suck at like, at 15 and 16 and 17 when all your friends are gonna wanna party and they're gonna wanna have fun and they wanna do all this crap and you're like, oh, I wanna practice playing a guitar, they're gonna think you're stupid. But when you're 26, 27, 28 and you're actually doing it and they're just working in jobs and they're saying, oh, I wish I was doing what you were doing, you know, you don't rub it in their face, but you can be like, I'm at least glad that I, you know, did that. And you're gonna be able to get drunk at the audition anyways. So yeah, so. True. I have one. I have a, I have a different one. Yeah. Mine is don't. Don't obsess about it. No. <laughs> don't doubt yourself. That's a big one. I think as long, even if you think it's like too weird or it's not gonna work, just do it. Because we have enough mundane shit. Just do it. Just say what you want to say. Don't be scared. The world, yeah, the world needs more freaks. So. Yeah. The world needs more freaks. I love that. Be obsessed. Don't be scared. All right. Thank you guys so much. Well, Matt, Chelsea, you thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, show your support by checking us out on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, and Google Play. And if you or someone you know is an artist in the Phoenix area who'd be interested in coming on the podcast, or if you just want to tell us how great we are, write us at starvingartistsphx at gmail.com. Again, that's starvingartistsphx at gmail.com.